As we saw last time, after the Chavah, the Chacham has explained his position as regarding creation, regarding our Messiah of, of how old the world is, and how there's been an unbroken chain of generations that we know about. So the king, the Kazari, now wants to sort of challenge him from what he finds by other cultures. Amar Kazari. When Simon Samach, and he says like this, Why doesn't that affect your emunah, your understanding, your belief? What they say by people of India from the Far East, that they have places of inyanim or borrowed Islam, they claim to have traditions of tens of thousands of years. So again, so he, he heard the Chavah's argument about the Torah account of time, but he said, and that isn't just a, for Klai Yisrael, like we said the, last week, the Kuzari says that the Torah positions itself in the cultures that it's referring to. Whether it was the nations of Canaan, whether it was Mitzrayim, and it was telling the story of those nations too. So you couldn't falsify a story which the people who were the players in the story, so to speak, would disagree with the facts. So the Kazari says, okay, that works for the places where the Torah occurred, the civilizations which it came into contact with. But what about the cultures of the Far East or whatever it is that claim to have a completely different dating system? Going back tens of thousands of years. Or hundreds of thousands of years. So, before I tell you the Chacham's answer, let's just explain outside what he's going to say. Because this is an argument which is often used today as well. And that is, people seem, tend to equate the story of the Torah with uh, Greek legends or myths of any ancient culture. And he said, yes, you have uh, your legends, your stories, your myths, so to speak, and every culture has its uh, ancient tales and legends. Why, what, so why isn't one a steer it to the other? Or, to put the question more accurately, why do you feel that the Torah's account is a more factual account, whereas the Viking and the Norse and the whatever other Aztec cultures are, you don't accept? So the argument is always going to be the same argument. And that's what the Chav is going to really say here. Also, I'm just going to say it outside first. But the argument is, there's a difference between something vague and mythical, which we don't have dates for, we don't have exact information about, which is what most of the ancient cultures held of. That in some distant history there was such an event, or that once upon a time something happened, to something where we have accurate information. We can tell you exactly who lived and what they did, who's the children, who their grandchildren, how it got to where we are. Remember, the argument of the Chavra was we're not talking thousands of years from the event until it was recorded. The Torah happened 400 years after Dara Palaga. And it was a total of six generations. It was a total of six generations. Avraham Avinu was alive at the time of the Dara Palaga. The Torah was written by his son was Yitzchak, his grandson was Yaakov, then there was Levi, Kahas, Amram. So the sixth generation was Moshe. It wasn't such a long time later. And we have all the information in between. So it wasn't some vague story which happened... Uh, that the nation has the legend of what once upon a time happened without the details to fill in exactly when and what happened since then. And therefore he's going to say a thing here also. That uh, the, 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 the mythical stories that cultures have of what happened to the nation in the, in the distant past or in tens of thousands of years and pre-previous 
Uh, he said it doesn't worry me too much because it's not something which is recorded accurately and has an exact system to tell us when it happened, what happened since then. You know, it's some vague event. And that's okay. It doesn't, uh, it's, it's mythical. It's nothing, nothing which is we can rely on evidence. The Torah doesn't give us stories which happened once upon a time in a place far away. Right? The Torah tells us where it happened and who it happened to. And we know who that person was and exactly how he fitted into you know, where, where he was in history. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't some event which, didn't, which took place out of, so to speak, the Seder of, what we, of, the, of the recorded history the Torah tells us. They're claiming it's uh, 100,000 years old. Even if they claimed, I don't know if that was their claim, but even let's say you're right. The claim was that there was once documentation, but over the course of thousands of years it got lost, then we don't have any facts to work with. Then it could have been fabricated also. Right. But it, it could have been, isn't that On the one hand, we have the Torah's version, which tells us that the, how old the world is, and tells us since then, this is what happened, this is what happened. You have a like, direct generation after generation, blah, 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 description of what happened. Or, you have some culture which is telling you of events which they say happened way more distant than that, but you ask them, well, let's back it up. When did this happen? What happened since then? How do you know, how, how, what's your dating system based on? And we don't have that same accuracy. We don't have that same accuracy. And this is true for lots of other cultures also. Right? The, 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 even though it's true, a lot of ancient <coughs> cultures have, like, so to speak, events which they claim happened in the past. Right? But then again, it's too far in the past. It doesn't have a timeline. It doesn't have something which we have a generation after generation proof since then until today what happened. And therefore, to, where are we dating it from? It's, it's, it's not something which is enough, let's say, factual that we can argue with it. And that's the Chavit does. Can we also pay I know that this is, a, even today among the historians, this is a little bit of a discussion, of a debate. And that is, even those cultures which we do know from the recovered writings or from uh, archaeologically excavations of the time, um, more or less, we know we can piece together the information about a lot of ancient cultures. Right? There's still a number of them which we're not quite sure exactly when to place them. It was given within a vague period of these few hundred years. We don't know exactly when it was. And it's the same idea. We know they happened. We have their palaces. We've discovered their writings or whatever it's going to be, hieroglyphics or cuneiform, whatever the language you're talking about. Uh, we have events which happen. So some things we know because it, counts, it corresponds to other events which we know about in the world, which, they, which you know, we have evidence for. But a lot of times, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, just as an example, right? Uh, I always ask, like, who was the pirate of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? This expression. You start reading about the pirate of Mitzrayim. Who was the pirate of Mitzrayim? Right? So even among the Egyptologists, right? Who, uh, now we know how long ago Yitzhak Mitzrayim was. There's no debates about that. If, you can, if you're following the Torah's counting backwards. You should, if T.S. Mitzrayim was exactly 3,333 years ago, right? This year is exactly 3,333 years from T.S. Mitzrayim. So we have exact dates based on the Torah when it was. If you, go back in the, in, if you go back into Egyptian history now and you say, all right, let's look up who lived in, who was the, the monarch of Egypt 3,333 years ago, we don't know exactly. It falls in what's called the second intermediate period which was somewhere between, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's between the 10th, 11th, and 12th dynasties of Egypt. And I don't have all the facts. It's somewhere in between those areas. So, again, we know a lot. But we don't have the exact information. We don't, we don't have a system exactly of what happens at each stage. It's basically what we piece together from. It. So, we don't, we don't have a counter system which gives us the same accuracy of information. When we do have that from later nations, for example, the, the Greeks, we have exact information. 
or was much more recent. But then again, it doesn't contradict the Torah at all. On the contrary, it goes exactly with the story as we know it. Okay, so that's what the Chavah says. It would be a challenge to my Emunah. It would be why a nation who has a Chazaki, you know, as we know clearly what they're doing. Then you do. Or it would be written in a safer which everyone agrees is accurate. And then you have a clear like, reckoning of time. We don't have that. They don't have something clear. They're claiming events which happened in a distant past without clearly telling you when it was or what happened since then. And he says, he said, it's as much of an insult to the intelligence to believe in mythology as having happened without knowing when or where as they make as the Avoy yeah? And just like they claim all kinds of things for the Avoy the Far Eastern religions are still pagan. And they claim that the idols do things or lived or ate or whatever, they, whatever depending on what the Avoy is exactly. Right? And that also is something which he says is Machisim and Shaitari. Someone who wears the proof. Where's the logic? Where's the, where's the explanation for what you're claiming your Avedazara does, which there isn't? That's, uh, that's part of the, the pagan worship they were, they were involved in. And they claim that whatever they're doing for their idols helps them. The writings we have from them are only from Yechidim. Without, you know, individuals who left writings without giving us a clear, like a full picture, so to speak, of what they're claiming happened. And it's only left of a Misha Daita Kal. Kiktas, Divra, Sefra, Hoibrim, Shakosim, Bemine, Asher, Salfishanim. Like some of the writings they have, we talk about tens of thousands of years. And the Vatis is the kinds of reserves they had then. And uh, he says all these things aren't reliable enough as evidence to present the challenge to the Torah, which is giving you a very clear uh, a, a very clear story with all the dates, all the years, all the times. Okay, so when you're talking about a, a clearly labeled system, so to speak, of time, as opposed to mythology, what, what is claimed to have happened without any clear explanation of when it happened, right? So the Kuzari accepts that. We ask the second question. Omar Kuzari I asked you about religions which you write. They don't have a clear day or they don't have a clear understanding or opinion of time. You gave a good answer to me. But I have a second question for you. What are you going to say about the philosophers? The, as we saw from the beginning of the story, the Kazari was originally impressed by the philosophers. Now he's going to throw the argument back at the Chacham. So what are you going to say to what they have to say? They went into science and they explored it. And they agreed that the world is a Kadmus. Which means Kadmus in the world means it wasn't created, it's always been. They're talking about tens of thousands of years. They're talking about millions of years. They're talking about something which always was. Now this is one of the... One of the uh, opinions of the philosophers originally was called Olam Kadmus. That's the, the Rambam and the Ramban both talk about this argument that the world wasn't created because the world always was. Now, just to digress for a moment, it isn't such an ancient argument. 
in more recent science, there's also been this argument, and that is, uh, was the, has the world always been, or does the world ha- has does the world have to have a starting point? I mean, I'm just going to digress for two minutes to give you an example of this machlekes, and that is not so much regarding to our planet Earth, but to the expense of the universe. Uh, there was an argument until recently, if what we call the universe, the model of the universe is a static model, or it's an expand, expanding model. Which means the static model means all the galaxies, all the stars, all the other planets and solar systems or whatever it is we know about are all held in place by a certain uh, interplanetary, let's say, gravitational pull. And they're all staying in the same place. And if that's the case, they could have been there forever because they're all being held in the same place. Or is the universe expanding? Which means that everything's moving further apart. And now the next question is, if it's expanding, so... That, that me, that, so like, just like, it's very simple, if I throw a ball up, right, so it starts going up a certain height, speed, but gradually slows down as the force of the throw wears off, and the force of gravity gets stronger, and it will eventually put it back down again. So the second question was, if the universe is expanding, is it slowing down or speeding up? Which means, if it's slowing down, then it means that eventually it's going to stop expanding, and the pull of gravity is going to reverse the trend, and it's going to pull everything back, uh, back towards the center again. And it will eventually come together with a tremendous explosion, right? It will implode, basically. Or is it speeding up, which means that the force which sent it outwards is stronger than gravity. And that's like I said, if it's getting faster, gravity doesn't have a pull on it. This was the, an argument between the astronomers, let's say, for a long time. When, um, just to go through the story, when Albert Einstein originally proposed his theory... So a number of people told him that based on the maths you're telling us, it'll work out that the, the correct model of the universe is what's called the expansionist model, which means the world is, is not staying still, it's, everything's moving further apart. And he didn't want to accept that. He argued, even though it was in the 1930s, when he put out his theory, people told him at the time, that if you what you're saying, this is what should come out, he, he wouldn't accept it. Until in the 1950s, when in America they built what was called the Hubble Telescope, and then you could see it. You could actually track things and see how fast they're moving and which direction if they're staying still or moving. And they brought him to see it. And he had to admit it. You're right. It's not to be happy from him that he didn't want to accept it. Because he said, basically, you've made me concede to religion. Why? Because if the world's expanding, it has to have had a beginning. And if it's expanding faster than gravity, then it's not a question of things go out and come back in again. And the force sends them back out again like a... a, con- a uh, ongoing series of uh, implosions and then every, the force will send everything back out and back in, in and out. We can talk about like a yo-yo kind of existence. But if things are expanding and expanding faster than gravity can pull them back, then it means it must have had a starting point because it's something which is we can see it moving. And he writes that, he, his line which became famous afterwards, he writes that the way he feels after coming to this knowledge is he said like a mountain climber who spent ages trying to scale a peak of a mountain which he never thought was possible to scale. And when he gets to the top, he sees a child sitting there. He sees a child sitting on top of the mountain. <laughs> so he says, science has used its intelligence to scale unfathomable peaks to find a believer sitting at the top. That was, the, that was Einstein's line. It sounds like he let his feelings and perspectives cloud his intellect. It definitely, it definitely was not like Gabi Dava because he didn't want to, as you said, he didn't want to concede to religion. But then they had no choice. It's a, it was a physical, observable fact. Which we know today. That, uh, uh, sorry? I don't know if you ever put it in. But it's, uh, 
But it's a Chabad never got to. But it's a... I'll talk about it. I'm saying the idea of a constant world, so to speak, which always was, as opposed to a world which has, must have had a beginning point, until the 1950s, until recently, was still something of, of discussion. This was the original position of the philosophers. So the Kuzari asks the Chachim, and he says to him, the Maestro, here we're talking about people who've explored it, examined it, and this is what they came out with. So what's your, what's your answer to them? What's your answer to them? Yes, uh, mythical religions or mythical events, which we have no idea if they happened, when they happened, there's no recorded documentation of them happening. And another point which is important to know, and that's also important to explain, say out here, and that is a lot of these mythical events, they don't claim that there were witnesses to necessarily. They claim to things which had happened. Who saw them happen? This is like the Messiah passed down and such a thing happened. We're not claiming that people actually witnessed it and, and were aware of it and passed the story on as, as the witnesses of the story. It was just an event which, they, which, has, which had happened sometime in the past. So that, that, that he accepts the Chacham's argument. Events like that aren't clear enough factually that we can actually work with them. But he says, what are you going to do about the philosophers? They're coming from their understanding of the universe. They're coming from their mechka, from their, their study, from their their approach, analysis to how they understand how things work. And they claim that the world is anatrila, had no beginning. It's been a constant model. Okay, so now with the 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 way that the Kuzari, like we said at the beginning, is going to deal with philosophy is exact is not like the Rambam. He doesn't want to argue with the philosophy uh, the theories of philosophy with the philosophers. He's going to take the approach he took before. We have a Masar. And therefore he's going to avoid the philosophers argument. That's what he says here also. You can't blame them for what they're saying. They don't have a tradition. Interesting, he has an interesting explanation why. They came from Yavon. Yavon came from the children of Yafes, like we know. Yafes moved north, those are the original European nations. The Chachma, which was passed down as a tradition from Adam Arishon, via Chachma Hamuchzekes, Bukayach Eloki, and that was the Chachma which was passed down from Adam to Noach to whatever of the knowledge Hashem put in the world, and the Elokim Bezer Hashem. That was given as Yerusha to Hashem, she was called as Noach. Out of Noach's three sons, who really passed down the tradition he had, it's passed to Hashem. And it went down the family of Hashem until it got to Avram. Yafes, they never had this, so we can't blame them for not knowing, so to speak, the tradition passed down because they never had the tradition. And when it comes to children of shame, they never lost it. Shame passed it down generation after generation. That shame himself, behavior, with the Rosh Hashivas who taught the Yitzchak and Yaakov into the Yeshiva. There wasn't a tradition in Yavon of Chachma, there wasn't a background that Yavon had before they became an empire. We don't find Chachma, so to speak, in Yavim before they became a world power. Why? Because when they became powerful, so they took the Chachma from the Parisim, which was the empire before them. And at that time, when Yavim was a world power, and therefore they could take information from other nations, that's when the, that was the Dara, that was the generation of the big philosophers. Not before that, and not afterwards. Once Yavim lost its power, it faded from the world scene. We don't find the, the school of philosophy, so to speak, that the ancient Greeks had continuing. So to paraphrase what the Kuzari said. 
Kazari said basically that the, what the Ramban says in Nasik's Parashat and Parashat in different words, but it's the same idea. And that is, there's a difference between something which we claim we have a tradition about, and therefore, again, but it's not a vague tradition, it's an accurate tradition, to something which there's no tradition. And now we're starting off from scratch. And let's try to work it out by ourselves. And this is exactly what the Ramban, like we said, his, his argument to the philosophers was, is you're trying to understand things on your own. You're trying to apply human intelligence to explain the riddle of creation, to explain how the world works. Right? You don't need to go that route if you have a tradition. And then again, so the, the, the Kuzari is going between two extremes. You have the one extreme of vague, unprovable, unknown tradition, let's say, um, basically mythology, right? which that we can't work with. We don't have events, we don't have clarity, it's just something too vague. On the other hand, you have the philosophers who work without any kind of tradition, and they're like looking at the world like with fresh eyes, let's work it out ourselves. The Kuzari the, doesn't accept either opinion. Right? He says, we, we want to work with tradition because we have an accurate tradition. And if we have an accurate tradition, that's the most reliable because it's been kept, it's been documented, and it's been passed down. So we don't have to accept things which aren't reliable. On the other hand, we don't have to accept things which are coming without any, base, without any basis. It's like, we have to resort to trial and error. Right, and if we, we have to work around it without any, with, you know, people who try to work things out on their own without relying on tradition. Now, he hasn't answered the question, that we'll see tomorrow, Be'ez Hashem, because I was about to ask him again. He said, you didn't ask, answer what I asked you. I asked you, they're saying things which are logical. What you, what's your answer to the logic? You, know, you can say they have no background. You can say that they don't have a tradition. Okay, accept it. What are you going to argue? That? What are you going to say to the, to the points of Chachmah that they say? That's the second point that we'll see by Hashem tomorrow. In the meantime, the point of the Chazari said, the Chacham said, is that the tradition of the Torah has a maida of other, uh, so to speak, uh, histories of ancient people that it's accurate and that it gives us all information, and has a matter of a philosophy in the fact that it tells us that, that, there's a, that it's, it's coming from a tradition. It's not a made-up, like, so to speak, or discovered science, uh, which, is a, which only appears later in the scene when people decided to think, try and work things out on their own. That's the only thing so far, which we'll see tomorrow is the second argument of the Kazari, and that is, what are we going to do with the Chochmah of the philosophers? What are we going to do with the logic if they wanted to put forth?